0: It's December, Christmas is at the end of the month, there's four Sundays before Christmas, and so I think that we're going to break away from Acts for these four weeks and kind of divide the Christmas story up into four chunks, and, and and look at that. Um, and so today is going to be the first of those four um, uh, Christmas messages for this year, and uh, there's a fancy word called, and if you were Catholic, you know what this word meant. There you Oh, right now, probably am now, right? Thank you, Dave. So uh, the first of four messages uh, this Christmas season called the Annunciation. Now you might know the word "annunciate" means to like pronounce your words really clearly, but the Annunciation is the title of the act of Mary being told what was going to happen to her. The very first, she's she's. She's not too different in age from someone we've got here this morning. And, no, Cheryl. And she's just living her life. You see, sometimes we think of Mary, and we think, well, you know, she's seven years old, and she's like, oh, the Lord has this profound thing ready for me. And 12 years old, the Lord has it. And now she's 14, 15 years old, somewhere in her mid-teens. And from out of nowhere, what happens today in our sermon happens. She's, she, she's not prepared for it in a sense that people have been grooming her for it. She's just living her life to the best of her ability to please God. She's a godly gal. Um, but all of a sudden, what happens today in our sermon happens to her. And so we get a glimpse into uh, what's going on. And that When the angel Gabriel visits her, um, we get a glimpse into how she reacts to it and some other things, and that's what we're going to um, look at today. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. We're going to read there in a minute. So as you're turning, listen up though. The Word of God, the Bible, clearly teaches. It's not today's topic, but trust me when I tell you, the Word of God clearly teaches that the Lord has a plan for every one of us. The Lord has a plan for my life. And the Lord has a plan for your life. I would say that one of the simplest uh, ways to explain what happens when we get saved—not only our sins washed away, but the thing that happens on our part is we surrender what would be our plans for our life. That the exchange is God washes away all our sins according to what Jesus did for us, and. Well, our part is, we lay down on the altar, Lord, I've got all these plans for my life. This is what I would like liked to do. And we say, with honesty, Lord, whatever you would want me to do, I will do that instead. I really, really want to become a school teacher. I'd really love to go to college and get that degree in secondary education. Nevertheless, If you want me to do something different, I'm I'm here today, Lord, serving you notice that I'll do what you ask me to do. Just make it clear, give me the courage, and I'll do it. That that is what I call the act of salvation. It's an exchange. Yes, our sins are washed away, but our part is that we surrender what our plans are for our life and and a willingness to accept what God's plans are for our life. I'll I'll tell you in a personal thing, and I don't want to dwell too long here, because, again, it's not the topic of today's message, but... I had plans for my life. I had other things that I might would have been doing. I'm really handy at a couple, two or three different things, which, by the way, I could make a small fortune doing. And I don't want any pity. I'm just saying that when we surrendered, when I finally surrendered, I had always told Wanda, "I think I'm supposed to go in the ministry." I think I'm. Supposed to... One day she told me, on and on about that." She said to me, "We had three kids." She said, "Cliff, I love you. I'm there for you in whatever you decide to do, but." Quit saying you might are going to do something and just make your decision up with because this uncertainty is driving, I, say, I, say, I promise on this vacation, Wanda, I'll make my mind up and I'll put up or shut up. And that was the, the, the vacation on which I decided to yield to God's call to me to finish my education at a seminary instead of in regular college and to, to go full-time into the ministry. God had plans for my life. Just because it's not going into the ministry to become a uh, missionary or a pastor does not mean that it's not God's plan for your life. Maybe your plan is not to become a a, a school teacher, but maybe that's God's plan for you. You see, you have to listen and and then do what he says. He's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for your future. And the Bible teaches that they are good plans. Today, uh, like I said, we're going to look at the first of four Christmas stories and learn a little, in this case, how God's plans and our plans might be different. So read with me. From Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we're going to read all the way to 38. So if you can tab down there, Dave, you'll have your work cut out for you. I'm reading, you should probably go, King James, good for you. I'm new King James, so it'll be pretty close to what's on the scoreboard up there. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. He was sent to a virgin betrothed And I I just want to hit the pause button here because I don't want to have to return later. So betrothed, you see that word? We don't have a facsimile of that betrothed in our culture today. Betrothed is like half married. The closest thing we've got is engaged. When you're engaged, you're almost married. But betrothed is more than that. Betrothed is everything except you're actually married. It's a legal sense. You have to get divorced. Now, You get mad at your boyfriend, and you're engaged. You throw your ring at him, and you say, it's over. Wedding's off, and boo-hoo, and there's a bunch of crying, and bad emails back and forth, and some texting, and then it's over. But with betrothal, they had to actually get a divorce. You see, so that was more than just an engagement. Okay, I just wanted to explain that to you. So, So this virgin, oh, by the way, during betrothal, since we're here, I don't want to be graphic, but there's still... Uh, personal innocence in terms of intimacy or anything like that. So betrothal doesn't, you know, uh, that still waits for marriage. So to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. So uh, angel Gabriel was sent to Mary in Nazareth. And the angel, verse 28, having come in, said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And, he, and I love that. I'm not going to preach about it, so let me just say here, I love her humility because she's like, what are you talking about? That's basically what this King James translates to in absolute modern English. What are you talking about? I am just Mary, O oh, highly favored one, you know, among all women, what, what kind of greeting is that? Okay, 30. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will never be an end. And Mary said to the angel, uh, I, how? How can this be since I do not know a man? Code talk, I'm a virgin. How, what are you talking about? I'm going to have a baby. I'm a virgin. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, the one who is born to you shall be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. So what the angel's doing here is saying, this is not the first time miracles are taking place, Mary. This is a season that's going to be ripe with miracles. For instance, your really old aunt, she's even pregnant right now, and you're going to be pregnant Uh, by God, so you're going to have a child of God, 37, for uh, with God nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Maidservant is code word for slave. Behold, the slave of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. This is what we're going to talk about today. It's called the Annunciation. Gabriel visited uh, Mary. He, in verses 28 and 30, laid a big compliment on Mary. He said, You are highly favored. He said, The presence of the Lord is upon you. He said, You found favor with God. So he really complimented her, showed up, and he gave huge compliments. Uh, To Mary that she frankly was not expecting just to have an angel show up and talk to you would be a really cool thing I mean he came from Gabriel came from the presence of God and God dispatched him with this message God said to him bring this message to Mary so Gabriel said "I, I Came right down and said Mary God is impressed with you So first of all there's an angel standing in my living room Second of all, he's telling me God is impressed with me. That's the good news. Uh, Most of us, think about it for a minute, supposing it's 6.30 tomorrow morning and you're doing the morning stretch and you wake up and put your feet on the floor and there is a shining angel After you got done with a wow, are you real? Are you a shining angel? And it was an angel, and then the angel had some good things to say to you. It would be, wow, this is very impressive to have a shining angel uh, 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 talking to me. Most of us would like to hear that he said God was really impressed with you. Imagine, Cheryl, tomorrow morning, you're getting up, and an angel showed up and said, Cheryl, God wanted me to tell you. He is impressed with you. You are favored among all women. He is really turned on about the way you behave. And God bless you. And if that's all he said, you would be really deeply... That was the good news for Mary, that she heard from God that he was really uh, impressed uh, with her, uh, with that report. Um, But there was some other news as well. The angel said, oh, by the way, verse 31, you're going to become pregnant. Oh, by the way, uh, God, the Holy Spirit, is going to put the baby in you. Now, with all due respect, and I don't want to be seen as sacrilegious here, I do want to say, though, that's, from Mary's perspective, some sort of creepy bad news. Do you track me Why I say it's creepy bad news? It's one thing to hear an angel say, God is impressed with you. It's another thing to have him say, by the way, you're pregnant. You're going to have a baby by God himself. He's going to put this little baby inside of you. It's creepy because that had never before been done. It's bad news because you're like 15 and you're betrothed to a man, which not only means that you're supposed to be pure from him, but you're certainly supposed to be pure from everybody else. And if it's true, and just as tangible as this angel is, it's most likely going to be true, you're fixing to pooch out a little bit, and it's going to be hard to keep that thing a secret. So as awesome as it was for her to hear that God's really impressed with you, it must have been freaky for her to hear, and you're pregnant. Wow. How is she going to respond to that, what I call, creepy bad news? The first observation uh, I want to make this morning about God's plans for us come from this creepy bad news, and that is um, the, God's plans might not always look good from where we're standing. God has plans for you, and as you see them, they might not always look that great. Mary, I'm sure, loved hearing that God was impressed with her, but she was probably really concerned about his plans for her, as she understood them from where she was standing. We're not told a lot about it, but I'm thinking if she was kind of normal like the rest of us, she probably was fairly scared about the ramifications of being pregnant as a 15-year-old betrothed girl. She was a very pure girl. For God to be impressed with her meant that she was a very pure and and awesome young lady. And all at once, she was fixing to get a reputation. I'm getting ahead of myself a little, and I'm sure I'm going to repeat it again. But um, God, uh, the angel visited her, so she knew the truth. The angel would subsequently visit Joseph, so he knew the truth. But God, God didn't visit everybody in her school, everybody in her neighborhood, everybody in her family. So without the benefit of having a shiny angel from heaven saying, I am Gabriel, this is from God, everybody else was left to either believe her story, look, honest, I'm pregnant from God. Yeah. huh Or they would, put, they would either have to believe her or her reputation went into the gutter. And I dare say that most people didn't believe her. I dare say that most people, and yeah, okay, we hear what you're saying, Mary. It it complicated things worse. It might have even been easier for Mary to say, look, I was stupid. I let my feelings get away from myself one night, and, 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 and now I'm pregnant and And that's the way it goes. and And her neighbors and friends and family, they would have seen that kind of disappointment before, and they would have dealt with it. But for her to continue to stick to this story that an angel from God was sent and, and she became pregnant from God, not only do they think that she was, uh, I'm talking about her reputation here not only do they think that she was promiscuous but now that they they, they think she's also this promiscuity and, and her getting caught with her hand in the cookie jar uh, is causing her to live in this fantasy world of made-up stories what's her problem dragging God into this and 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 how disrespectful is she for doing why doesn't she just admit it and so her reputation goes from bad to worse because now people think that she's a little loopy too. These are the plans that God has for her. All she was guilty of was being a nice kid all through her 15th birthday and now his plan is, oh by the way you're going to be pregnant and you're going to be pregnant by God and your son, you're going to call him Jesus and et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, it's not always good news from where you're standing. Along with Mary, Most of the other biblical great people, regardless of how uh, awesome God's plans were for their lives, it also came with some challenges. And there's one uh, little verse of scripture in Joshua where... Joshua had to finally stand up and say to people who were trying to be pulled this way or that way, and God was saying, just follow me, just follow me, just follow me, and Joshua stood up and said, look, choose you this day, whom you will serve, but for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. There's going to come a time in your life where God lays his plans bare before you, and you're going to have to listen to Joshua, and you're going to have to say, I have to choose whether to believe God and to adopt His plans into my life and to run with it, or whether I'm going I'm to veto. You've got veto power over the plans of God for your life. You can, if you choose, veto. I do not want to go. So we've got this friend, Bethany. Bethany, I'm not supposed to say her last name, but it's just us. Bethany Moore. She's in Tajikistan, the name that you like to say. And she's there as a teacher. Yeah, teacher. <laughs> and. Uh, this may have not been the plan for Bethany Moore, to be away from her family during holidays, to be with a bunch of people that speak another language, to be in a culture that if they found out what she was really doing, they would absolutely cut her head off. But she had to choose for herself this day when God knocked on her door and said, this is the plans I have for you. She had to say, "Ah, that's not really the plan that I would concoct for myself, but nevertheless, Lord, I will do it for you just like it was in Mary's case. Mary was all set. She was a pure little girl, and God laid this on her, and she had to say, okay, I'll I'll, I'll go with that. So God's plans are not always uh, what we would maybe uh, uh, choose for ourselves. Serving the Lord may or may not look great from where we're standing. There's a second observation I have about God's plans for us that we can see in this story. God's path... It's related to the first one, pretty closely. <clears throat> God's path, for us, may not only, uh, may, may not only not be primrose, but they may actually be painful or costly. So it's one thing for Mary to have gotten knocked off her primrose primrose pure path. But God's plan for us may also be costly or be burdensome. I alluded to this when I talked about Bethany. So I've met, and I can't say I'm friendly with, but I've met um, the missionary Jim Elliot's wife, Elizabeth Elliot. <clears throat> 30 or 40 years ago, God called young Jim Elliot to, um, to be a missionary to the Akka Indian. And so the Akas, uh, they're OK, except for they like to kill people. And uh, so they started by flying their little plane over the Akas and dropping them gifts and stuff. And finally they got the minister to the Akka Indians, and uh, a little bit. and they landed their plane one day. and uh, the, the three or four guys, Jim Elliot, was one of them. And um, they were packing. I want you to understand what I'm saying. They had guns. And as they were walking towards the Akka Indians this day, the, uh, he's a young man with little kids at home with his wife, Elizabeth, back at the village headquarters, Far, you know, farther away. They're deep in the bush. The Akkas had fire in their eyes. And the long and the sh- short of it is they murdered, while they murdered these gun-possessing missionaries with their spears. Because they had something in the craw about that day. I don't, I don't remember the story why they were put off with the missionaries. Following God's plan for Jim Elliot's life cost Jim Elliot his life. You see, not only is it maybe inconvenient, we talked about that first for Mary. That, you know, It was kind of weird You know, that she'd be pregnant and she'd have to put up with her reputation being dragged through the mud. But it's possible that God's plan for our life could not only be inconvenient, but can be very costly and very burdensome. By the way, about five years ago, um, Hollywood made a movie about it. I think it's called The Tip of the Spear. Does that sound familiar to anybody, The Tip of the Spear or something like that? Try to track down that video. It's about Jim Elliot. It's a secular movie, but it's about... Uh, Jim Elliott is in his ministry there. Mary and Joseph uh, didn't have it easy. Having baby uh, Jesus in their lives uh, was very costly. The whole of their lives, their family, uh, their marriage, everything was tainted with this out of wedlock pregnancy. Now, Joseph while they were in this betrothal period, like this pre-marriage, almost marriage state that they were in that I talked about. He was kind and he was generous. Matthew 19, which you can turn there if you want to and just see it, but it'll ring a bell to you when I talk about it, teaches us that he was going to divorce Mary quietly so as not to shame her too much. He was going to bring her as little embarrassment As possible. At that point, the same angel, Gabriel, visited him and explained things to him. Uh, And so Joseph said, Well, I guess I won't divorce her. I guess what she's telling me, the story about this uh, uh, Immaculate Conception, uh, must be true. But as I said earlier, every other neighbor, every other church friend, every other relative, every other business associate, that uh, Joseph was a builder. I know our Bibles say carpenter, and you think someone who has a little shop like Dave or Sam have their shops and they build little things. And I'm sure they knew how to use some of the tools that they had. I don't know what tools they had. It amazes me to think well, the old school construction. But Joseph was a tekton. The Greek word is tekton. And a tekton is a home builder, someone who, a general contractor. And so, uh, as opposed to carpenter, someone who's sitting in the shop all day. He was the guy that was out in the community, putting an addition on your house, putting a second story on, doing whatever. That's what Joseph did. And as Jesus grew up, that's what Jesus and Joseph did. They went out and, and you know, put a window where there wasn't a window there before and put a back door in your house where you never had a back door in house or put the addition on. But everywhere Joseph went, he was tainted with the reputation. Oh, you're Joseph. Oh, yeah, you're, st- you're still sticking to that story about Jesus. Uh, he, he had the reputation. Jesus had a reputation as being a bad word, illegitimate son. And Joseph had the reputation, again, of not only having a son out of wedlock, not the truth, but not only having a son out of wedlock, but sticking to this bizarre story about God did it. So a little loopy. And and he bore up under that uh, pressure his whole life. The angel didn't visit all his business partners. Everywhere he went, he was reminded uh, of what their conclusions were regarding Jesus and his his birth. The majority, the vast majority of people uh, thought that Mary and Joseph were promiscuous and shame, shame, and what a pity that they would blame God for their promiscuity. This is far from glorious and uh, uh, respectable. Being the parents of Jesus was burdensome and costly. When we follow Christ, I suppose, and I'm not complaining about it a whit, but if I look back on my life, I could probably track out some things that because I was following Christ, cost me, measurably cost me in some cases, was a burden in some cases. See, somehow today, people want to hear preached that when you come to Christ, woohoo, your whole life is going to be a carnival. Yay, no more problems, and yay, no more sacrifices, yay, no more burden. When the reality is, I'd rather be honest with you and have you make up your mind based on the honest truth. There's going to be, there's going to be drags in your life no matter how you live it. If you live it all for Christ, if you live it straddling on the fence, I'd just say that's the most miserable existence, straddling a fence. Or if you just live it ignoring God. There's got bad things happen to all kinds of people. I don't want anybody to think that I thought Pastor Cliff said if I became a Christian I wouldn't have any burdens or problems. No. It may be, and I'm using Mary and Joseph as an example here. It was burdensome for them; it was costly for them to be the obedient parents of uh, Jesus, uh, the Messiah. You know, uh, someone might think that the world uh, will rejoice with us uh, when we when we embrace Christ as our Savior. Uh, What if they don't? Are you ready for it? If it's the opposite. If your old friends, if, if people that you need to have a relationship with kind of snub you because they don't understand what's going on in your life, because you, you uh, re- readily admit that the Lord, uh, he's your savior and you're, you're gladly following him. Following Christ might, just might, be burdensome. And I have to ask you, are you ready for that? Uh, that may be why Jesus taught Luke chapter 9. Listen to his words. If anybody wishes to follow me, this is Jesus just teaching straight up about the same sermon that I'm teaching right now, the same part of the sermon at least. Jesus is hitting you right between the eyes with this. If anybody wishes to follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It's what we do. It's what we do. The third observation about God's plans for us, and God has plans for us, and the third observation that shows up in Mary's story is this. God's plans for us aren't always realized or understood in our lifetime. We're in an information age. You know, we had different ages. We had an industrial age. We had a communication age. We got an information. We're in the information age. We like to know. We want to know now. Well, they the, the, the commercial world is wrestling with having information available in what they call real time, that is as soon as the as soon as information actually exists as information, it needs to be available for your consumption right then. I don't want it lagging by twenty seconds, particularly the stock market or something. They can't have it lagging by twenty seconds it's It's old, old news in twenty seconds. so we're used to as Americans, we're used to seeing and understanding things immediately. So this concept, and it's the last concept, the third observation about God's plans for us is that it might be that in your lifetime, you don't get to fully understand exactly what God was doing with you. Now that's weird that you, get, you live your whole life in obedience and you might not be able to fully embrace or fully understand or fully realize what God uh, is doing for, for, uh, w- through you. Here's what I mean. Jesus' ministry started when he was 30 years old. The Bible teaches that. There's an inference, a suggestion, that Joseph died sometime after Jesus was lost. Remember he got lost, he got stayed in the temple, and we hear that Joseph and Mary went looking for him. That's the last time that Joseph is mentioned in the Bible, when Jesus was like 12 years old. He didn't start ministry till he was 30 years old. There's no references about Joseph anywhere between that. In fact, it's often wondered, why didn't Jesus start his ministry when he was like 25 years old? Why did he wait till he was 30? Why not 21, 22? The thought is that it was Jesus, the oldest brother, and Mary without Joseph, and Jesus felt a sense of duty to continue the family business until his younger half-brothers and half-sisters were old enough to take care of themselves and it wouldn't be a burden on Mary. See, Jesus was, I'm supposing here, okay, this is not, I can't turn you to Luke something or other and prove it, but the, 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 the probable reason that Jesus waited till he was 30 to launch his ministry is because finally his younger half-brothers and sisters were old enough and Jesus didn't have to be working the family uh, general contracting business anymore and these you know, siblings were finally old enough and, and so he could leave home and, and strike out on in his ministry. Why did I uh, mention all that? It's because it means that after all the ridicule and burden that we talked about already, and I think you understand, that Joseph suffered because he was Jesus' father. Uh, uh, be, Jesus, whatever you want to call it, uh, stepfather, we'll call it. I don't want to go here again because I think I made my point, but remember, Joseph took it on the chin for this cockamamie story too. It wasn't without effect on Joseph's life, Joseph's family, Joseph's neighbor, Joseph's business. He heard it all the time. Oh, you're the Joseph that had the God baby. Mm. Sticking with that story still? Mm." He suffered through that his whole life. Never to see Jesus in ministry. He died, almost certainly, he died before Jesus ever was baptized, ever went to the desert, was tempted, ever began to make wine at Cana, ever began to raise the dead, ever began to preach the good news, ever began to proclaim the kingdom of heaven is near, He died. He suffered all those things. He lived the life that was planned out for him by God, never being able to realize in his lifetime exactly what God was doing for him. And he was okay with that. He didn't need to be so selfish that, you know, God, I've got to wrap my brain around this. If I can't wrap my brain around this, then don't, you know, I have to see this happen. I have to understand it. He was willing to live the life uh, of obedience and compliance, even though... He may not get to see uh, what was going on. Probably nobody ever told Joseph, Joseph, I'm proud of you, man. Putting up with all that guff, you know, I'm proud of you. Maybe Mary did. Maybe they consoled each other because they were the only ones that absolutely knew that they knew that they knew that this was not their baby, that the angel had visited them. But Probably nobody ever told Joseph they were proud of him. Nobody ever told Joseph, you know, you did the right thing. Joseph walked and lived a life of faith, not uh, observation, not seeing, never getting to see Jesus launch off into this ministry that he was supposedly being born to. Consider Mary. Yeah, she got to see Jesus in ministry, uh, but she also got to watch through a mother's tears him being nailed to a criminal's cross as he breathed his last breath. Mary never had her reputation cleared. Even to this day, 2,000 years later, think about this. Even to this day, 2,000 years later, the majority of people doubt the virgin birth. Track what that means. Mary's been dead almost 2,000 years, and people are still calling her a liar. People are still saying, yeah, right, virgin birth. Uh Uh-huh, sure, I I doubt it. She still has this reputation of being uh, given birth to an illegitimate child. Uh, Only she knew for positive, and Joseph Joseph knew by the angel's testimony. But the rest of the world, most in her lifetime, believed her to be a liar, and most still today continue to think that she was a liar. So even in her lifetime. She never got to fully be freed from that, which God had led her to So I'm going to close with this thought. When we uh, choose God's plan for our lives, we have to bravely and mindfully expect some of the same stuff we saw outlined in the story today. To be honest with you, not everybody is tough enough, brave enough, has the fortitude enough, whatever you want to say it, to, to belly up to this decision. To be, this takes a lot. A lot of time people think, "Oh, Christians, they're maybe, pamby they're, they're living on a crotch, they're living whatever." It takes guts. It takes willpower. It takes strength to be a true Christian. It's easy to go with a flow. And when you're canoeing in a river, you know, or, or you're going down a river in a tube, it doesn't take a whole lot of strength. It, take, it doesn't take a whole lot of brains. You just kind of like bounce around the edges and keep floating. But when you're paddling deliberately up the river, it, it it takes a lot of work. When we choose to uh, g- follow God's plan for our lives, we got to bravely expect the same kind of stuff that Mary and Joseph uh, uh, encountered, as they accepted His plan for their life. Number one, uh, God's plan may or may not look so good from where we're standing. Remember, He was she, she was told you're pregnant. That didn't look too good. Number two, his plan may or may not uh, be called a primrose path for you. You might could think of a more enjoyable path for yourself than the one that it seems like God's leading you down. Number three, you may not fully understand it even in your whole lifetime. You read Hebrews chapter 11. So this is your homework. I just made it up. Hebrews chapter 11 is your homework. You're going to read it. And one of the cool things about Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about faith at the beginning, and then it gives examples all the way through the rest of it. Almost without exception, those people listed in Hebrews 11 are examples of my third point, that you might live your lifetime without ever realizing what God's called you to do. It, most of those people, they they in, listed in Hebrews 11, lived, proclaimed, said, and they never really got to see it happen. But it didn't interfere with their willingness to try, to throw their full confidence in God. Our role as Christ followers, to have the attitude of Mary brought out in verse 38. You can shine verse 38 up there if you want to, Luke chapter 1 and verse 38. Our, the role as a Christ follower, I was looking in the text for one little Statement that summarized everything, and this is what I saw. Mary said, behold, the maidservant or bondservant, that's code word for slave. you got to put on the mindset of a a slave. I gladly say, and I'm used to it now, I'm the slave of God. As a slave, listen, okay, I'm going to preach 60 more seconds because I just want to remind you this when slave masters had their slaves and it was time to pick the cotton. The slave master didn't go into the slave's house and say, okay, y'all, I know this cotton, this cotton bowl is going to kind of prick your fingers, and I know it's going to be hot out today. So is there anybody here that's willing to go pick cotton? I hope most of you do, because remember, I'm a slave owner, and I feed you at night. So, And begin to negotiate whether or not they're going to go out and pick cotton that day. He just says, Everybody out here, it's time to pick cotton. When I put on the mindset that I am a bond servant, a slave of God, I don't imagine that what he tells me to do is for negotiation. I say, my job is to say, okay. Mary and Joseph understood their jobs. When God said, this is going to happen, even though it meant all those difficulties, their job was to do one thing, Okay. I'll do it. I love this about Mary. Mary said, behold the slave. Trust me, the Greek word there is slave. Lady slave is actually what it is. Behold the lady slave of the Lord. She reckons her place rightfully before the Lord. She's a slave of God. She isn't someone to be negotiated with. She's someone to be told what to do, and she will gladly do it. Behold the slave of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. And the angel departed. That's what happens when a person truly comes to Christ. They say, you know what? Lord, I'm yours. I'm your slave. Do to me what you will. I'm all about it. I will obey. I'm not going to fuss and fight every time you tell me to do something. The the Bible said the Lord's looking all over the place for people who will just follow him with that sense of duty. And when he finds someone, he cherishes it. And he uses him or her. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that Mary and Joseph there were such good examples to us. Hope that I would do as well. I don't know, I'm don't i not sure that I would. I hope that I would. Pray for each of us here as we work out our walk with you, our surrender to you. We thank you that when we surrender, you forgive. But also there's some duty on our part to comply with whatever your plans for our life would be. Help us to remember that your plans are to prosper and not to harm us, to give us hope and a future, but they may include something different from what we maybe would like to do. Help us to be obedient. Help us to see ourselves as Mary saw herself, as a slave of yours and may it be done to us according to your will. And we happily serve as your children Praise be your name, and uh, go with us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.